have a problem every year around MLK Day because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. The march has begun every day. We rise like the sun. We fight till the battle is... Good evening. I'm your host and producer, Sharon Hinton, on another level, live here at BNN Media. And as usual, I have an amazing guest. He, um, I always call him Young King. His name is Darrell Slim Weathers. Slim, you know, with the little quotation marks. So depending on where you know him, um, is how you call him and how you will interact with him. And whether or not he'll even interact with you. This Young King is the director of Voices of Liberation. He's got a storefront in Jamaica Plain. I actually finally got to visit him and all the amazing young people that come in his place every afternoon. And we're gonna talk about the programs that he has, feeding the hood, even though it was snowing and it was freezing out, he still gets volunteers and finds a way to make himself, um, no, he's valuable to the community, whether you recognize it or not. So you're here with me on another level with Darrell Slim Weathers. Stay tuned, we got some information for you. You know you gotta get your papers and your pens out because we got information for you. Stay with us. He has shopped at Family Food Center in Toledo, Ohio since she was four years old. This is the place to be. Once you find something that you love and treat you with respect. But today, the 58-year-old worries dollar stores are now threatening this local staple. It's supposed to be a store to help the community, but it's taken from the community. At the start of 2022, dollar stores together operated more than 34,000 stores nationwide. That's more than McDonald's, Walmart, Target, and Starbucks combined. Right here in Toledo, Ohio, when it comes to dollar stores, there are one, here's another, two, and here's another one, number three. Altogether, over 35. In March, advocacy group the Institute for Local Self-Reliance published a study on the impact of dollar stores on predominantly rural, low-income, Black, and Latino neighborhoods. Its findings? When they come into a community, they tend to just pull just enough of the sales away from that grocery store. We have to call the suppliers, ask them for prices, ask them for deals, and they don't offer us as good deals as the big chains. Thank you. Now a small community in Toledo, led by senior pastor Donald Perryman, is fighting this effort. This was the pride of Toledo. It was, it was a community where black dollars circulated, black wealth developed, black professionals were. And today, what is it like? Deserted and abandoned. Perryman hopes Toledo will join the more than 50 cities already enacting laws limiting dollar store expansion. The study also found that as local groceries get squeezed out, neighborhoods are left with food deserts, areas with limited access to affordable, nutritious food. Even when a Dollar General has fresh produce, it's not a full supply, correct? Correct. So we have about 16 feet typically in most stores of fresh produce. Do you think your supply of produce is enough to adequately feed and provide the nutrients communities need? Well, I think it's really important to remember Dollar General is not a grocer. We are here to be able to provide the general necessities that families need 
on an everyday basis. In a statement to NBC News, two other national dollar chains, Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, said in part, our stores complement grocery stores and bring economic development to communities we enter, including helping to alleviate the effects of food deserts in urban communities. As for Family General Food Center, ESO says the prices are no match for the people. I know half of my customers by name. When they walk in, I greet them by name. I don't think they can get that service at a dollar store. Because all the time we walk, I get them mostly just talking about because they are family. Hmm. They are. What are you thinking about? What are you feeling? Because it's grace in here. It's grace. They let you be yourself. Even if you're going through it. Zinclair Samoa, NBC News, Toledo, Ohio. Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top. Thank you so much, NBC News. Uh, <sighs> I, you know, I have to take a breath because I'm in Boston. And I think in the communities where I've lived and the one that I'm living in now, I can count each one of those stores. And even though that clip was about Toledo, Ohio, they talked about it is a national trend. And I'm old enough to remember when you had the corner store, I'm old enough to remember that everything didn't have plastic on it. As a matter of fact, nothing had plastic on it. You could talk to the baker. You could talk to the grocer. You could talk to um, Carl and Eddie's Fish, fish store. You know, it was right there in Lawrence Avenue and Blue Hill Avenue. You could talk to the people there because they lived there. They lived in the neighborhood. And during the 60s, there were a lot of black businesses, especially in Grove Hall. And you know, Wallachenburger, and you had U.S. 40, and Ma Dixon's. You had all these community and family businesses feeding money back into the community. One of the brothers who is feeding into the black community, I always call him Young King, Darrell Slim Weathers. Thank you for being here with me this evening. It's going to go quick because I'm going to get in your business. I'm going to get in your Kool-Aid. And first, I want to say thank you for what you're doing. Um, I've, see, I've seen you out there. I haven't been out there. The person that kind of wore me out of that was Monica Cannon Grant, to be honest with you, because Monica, when she was doing it, she started doing it from her house wow. that was right there. And, you know, um, I think it was Warren Gardens. It was right there. And she she had I mean, her house was was full of people. Wow. And so she would have all these crates and boxes of food. And initially we were um, packing. We were putting food in backpacks because a lot of the kids were eating, they had better meals at school. And so when they went home during the weekend, there was no guarantee that they were going to be able to eat. So she had these backpacks and I was one of the people that was helping to break down these crates. We put them in the backpacks. Then it grew because when she, people knew that she was legit and she was actually giving it to people, then it was an army of volunteers coming in on a weekly basis. And then you're breaking it down into shopping bags. And there's like a machine that you have to have between the volunteers. They got to be there when the stuff is there because you got to move it, mm -hmm. especially when it's fresh produce. You got to move it. And so that was that was even my first experience with that. When I worked at ABCD, there's a brown bag um, program that they have. And once a month we had to we would we would literally put in brown paper bags for seniors. Mm -hmm. And then some senior places would come and pick them up. And seniors would come, you know, with their little carts and everything. And so you had a mixture of things. And depending on what's available and what's been grown will determine what you get. Now, you got to figure out who you're giving it to and whether or not they can even cook it. Because you'd be giving somebody a bag of rice, they don't have a stove. They don't have a kitchen, right? But then when you're looking at some of the pre-cooked stuff, pre-made stuff, 
then it's like, well, do they have a place to store it? Mm -hmm. So you have doing, you, you, one of the programs, I want you to tell me about your place on Jamaica Plain, which is beautiful. And I was there when all the people would come there, all ages would come in there and support you. The stores that are in the same block as you knew you. And so you were busy doing something else, but they were like, oh yeah, we know him, isn't he great? So I could sit there and eat pizza. And then they didn't have a bathroom, so they knew the barbershop that was next door so I could go to the bathroom. It was like a little, you know, it was a hood, right? It was mm -hmm. a little, but across the street from a school. And then I was there long enough so that I started seeing young kids coming in. And we had some books to give out to some of the mm -hmm. young kids. Um, so I just brought the books to show you, but then I'm not bringing them home, right? So we ended up giving them out. And then meeting the amazing young people that you had, the artists, um, whether they're musical artists or graphic artists or spoken word artists, or they just coming in there and, um, you know, the computer, the brother that was, that, that was like electronically inclined, mechanically inclined, and then you had some tutors coming in. So, so I'm telling people about your spot because it just blew me away. And I've been trying to hook up with you for two years now to get down there, and you're finally on the show. Where did you come up with this idea, and why do you feel it's so important for you to do it, for them to see you doing this? Well, thank you for, you know, for honoring the space because you're a very honorable person. So thank appreciate you. that so much because um, sometimes when you're doing the work in the community, you feel like you don't get noticed. And, um, it kind of feels devaluing, but I appreciate all the support, and especially this coming from a, a wise person. But um, it came out of, honestly, through a great collective of um, the team at Scope, you know what I mean? It was not just me, it was um, multiple team at Voices Liberation as well. Like, our, our, our team is filled with um, a, a large range of people, and um, we came together and we created cool ideas. And um, the thing that was most important, though, was defining ourselves for ourselves. In the community, most of the people we serve in are, you know, BIPOC. Most of the people are looking like me. You know what I mean? And um, and being impoverished, you know, you want to see other people represent you that look like you instead of the rappers or an athlete. You want to see somebody in the community that really is cool for serving the community in um, in a positive way. And and that's where um, I stepped in my power the most. That so. You know. And plus you do the, when you just mentioned the spoken word and stuff, you guys have events and stuff too. you have anything coming up? Yep. Um, next month on February 10th, my friend uh, Kerwin Cornelius, he runs an a, a incredible open mic. I ain't say this, everybody said this, is the best open mic in Boston. It's uh, called So Inspired. Um, it's musicians from all walks of life. Um, uh, musicians, literally instruments, and every all of the above. Um, it's at Scope HQ, so you know. Oh, it's on Jamaica Plain. Mm -hmm. How do you fit those people in there? Um, we make it happen <laughs> with the best of our capabilities. Because every space there has something in it. Mm-hmm. It's um, we do the best we can. I mean, it's a free space for people to activate, and um, we felt like it was important in the community to give people that that space to do their own thing. You know, not not hold it and, you know, throw your one-off events, but making sure it's, it's available for people, inaccessible, and, and, and they can monetize off their gifts as well. So you got the spoken word, mm -hmm. you got the after-school program, mm -hmm. you got the feed the hood, you're giving out clothes. It's a free store. The yeah. tutoring. Mm -hmm. Am I missing something? Um, I know there's other stuff there too, right? This House of Creativity, um, formerly in incarcerated artists. We just had an art show at Mass Art. Um, we also sell uh, formerly in incarcerated folks art. They get 100% of the proceeds, and we also do art exhibits where we can um, show you know people who's behind the wall 
who they really are and um, who they apprehended in these streets and the rehabilitation and how that process goes and how it's not really servicing these great-minded people. So, you know, that's... that's now, if I'm, am I spilling the tea and open up something if I say that you're one of those people? <laughs> um, no, nah, that's that's actually true. You know, that's a true thing. Um, I like to say that, you know, that doesn't define me, but that is a part of my, my past and it's something where I'm I'm happy at um everything I'm not made me everything I am. So yeah, I'm happy that that was a part of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that tells me something okay, but a lot of people go through trauma, mm -hmm. go through difficulties, go through challenges, and then when they get um over, mm -hmm. when they get out of it, they get over. They like kick the dust and they're like, okay, I did that. And they don't look back, but you're constantly looking back and pulling people up. What is it in you that keeps you making that connection? Because you can get burnt out. You can get fried out. Absolutely. I mean, growing up in Boston is not easy. Um, I grew up in, I was fortunate, but, you know, unfortunately living in Section 8. So what I mean by that is like I grew up in Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan. That's unfortunate at the same time, but living in these impoverished areas where you see you know, brothers, sisters of everybody of all walks and all parts of the life, you know, going through traumatic situations, seeing people, you know, you know, dying and seeing these, you know, people getting locked up over, you know, men, crimes that's not even worth it and being locked up and taken away from their families, seeing people just going through poverty pretty much just made me just never want to see somebody else go through that. And I experienced it myself, so I wanted to start liberating for the rest of my life. I couldn't see much in materialism and stuff, so that's where my soul's at forever. Mm. Liberation. That's where your soul's at forever. Mm -hmm. How old are you? I'm 35. You're young. <laughs> I mean, you look younger than what you are, but mm -hmm. that's still young. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I was older. And you beat the statistics, because technically, Everything is working against you or was working against you for you not even make it out of your 20s, out of your teens. Yes. So absolutely. what was it that helped you to get over? Um, learning from my ignorance. Like, just not, just keep on hitting these roadblocks in life where, um, and they got, and the levels of roadblocks got larger throughout life, don't get me wrong. But learning from my ignorance, meeting great people, meeting great leaders, people who could teach me um, knowledge, making me more knowledgeable in life. And learning about good karma and putting in good into this world instead of putting in bad and, and the values of authentic, putting, being authentic with putting good into this world and what could come back from it. So, mm, yeah. Reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. So when you are, um, and I met some amazing young people, I have to come back <laughs> because I want to find out what happened to them, you know? Mm -hmm. One of the brothers that was, um, he showed me his notebook where he was all these drawings, but then I showed him my friend that actually created a character for Marvel and actually he, I mean, he passed unfortunately from cancer, but it's like, I know somebody that did that too and they actually made a career and made business out of it. Mm -hmm. And then he recognized the character, he was like, what, your boy did that? And then we Googled him, I was like, yeah, that's my dude. And he was a friend of mine um, that lived literally across the street in the same neighborhood, wow. up in between Lawrence Evan and Interville. Wow. And I remember when we were growing up, um, he would make money by daring people, he says, I bet you I can draw, give me a dollar. Um, he said, I, be, I bet you a dollar that I can draw your picture in 60 seconds. Pencil, boom, boom, boom. And he knew he could do it. And so he got, we knew he could do it. So he wasn't getting our money anymore, but you know, so we, we'd watch him do it. And then he ended up um, being a court, he, a court illustrator. 
So we, they couldn't bring in photographs. He was that good, seriously. Wow. And he ended up being a court illustrator. He was always into that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, he, he was uh, working for Marvel Comics, mm -hmm. developed his own character and everything. And um, I, I went to, because I'm into comics and everything, and mm -hmm. another friend of mine me too, me too. created these characters called the Numidian Force, way before Black Panther. The Numidian Force, and I was helping him market it. Kamal, my brother Kamal. And he had a whole... Um, super force of black characters based in Africa, you mm. know, this African conscious Numidian force. And um, I don't know where Kamal is now. Kamal Sharif, Salam Alaikum, wherever you are in the universe. He's just a bad brother. But I remember people, and I know people that are so intensely geniuses, intensely creative, mm -hmm. but then they come up against these roadblocks where other people are not supporting them because they downgrade our skills, they downgrade our talent, you heard me. They downgrade our talent. Mm -hmm. Even when they recognize it, they try to either exploit it, or steal it, or destroy it. Yeah. And not really compensate us for what we should get. Right. Right. And I was telling you before we got on the air, um, I was looking at these, in anticipation of Black History Month, because you know, I'm black all the time, so I don't wait until February. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. and. Um, I was looking at these YouTube clips on how white America has stolen black wealth systematically right. through policies, legislation, mm -hmm. and a lot of people that come to this country they, that look like us don't know that history. Mm. And sometimes they contribute to the problem, right? Yeah, right. But then sometimes we do too, right. because we're not teaching you know, each other. Um, there's an African proverb that says, when you lose an elder, you lose a library. And so we're losing elders. We're losing these amazing people. Absolutely. And um, last year, we lo lost a lot of people. Charles Ogletree, mm -hmm. amazing. We lost a lot of people. And so I had talked to, you know, shout out to um, Matthew Thompson Jr. Um, <laughs> at Jubilee, who is, um, my daughter is like at Jubilee, and she's part of the youth ministry and everything. And so I talked to him yesterday about having a cross-generational, intergenerational kinds of encounters. Mm. Because we need to transfer that institutional knowledge. Right. Other cultures do it at the dinner table, or they do it because they're working together, right. or they're living together. And our families are so split up, and they've been split up on purpose, destroyed on purpose. Yeah. We're not passing down the um, generational mm -hmm. wealth through housing. Mm -hmm. We're not passing down the money. Mm -hmm. We're not passing down the knowledge or the experience, and, and so our kids are, not my kid, thank God, mm -hmm. but our kids are having to reinvent the hammer all over again in an ever-increasingly competitive environment mm -hmm. and not being able there's, to compete. There's so many, that's so many layers. There's so many um, things that we could learn from our elders that like the youth right now is implementing into this world. They have no idea how disruptive it is. And I speak for myself as well, and I feel like we can, like, you, the smartest person knows that they don't know it all, you know, so, yeah. I mean, you have to, I love, you and I talk, and we talk more on social media because you're so busy. Between the two of us, we catch up to each other, it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> and I'm hitting you up to make sure that you're okay because Appreciate I know that. that this stuff, I had to take you out, to take you out. Absolutely. Like, not value, and then I see the posts that you put on, on, you know, social media and stuff, and I'm like, keep your head up. Don't worry about it. Don't feed into it. Mm -hmm. I like, keep doing what you're doing. I don't think we do that enough because we're so busy in surviving. And there's a difference between, you know, your dreams that you, you 
when you have a survival mode and survival mentality, mm -hmm. it's almost like you're, you're afraid to dream mm -hmm. because you think, like, how am I going to get to that? Right. Yes, I'm dreaming that, but I need to pay rent. Right. I'm thinking about that, but I got to do this. And but so there's a different kind of a level. It's, it's in this day and age, and I'm pretty sure back then, too, it was like I was willing to die for a lot less. And that's when I speak for dying for, like, living, learning from ignorance. I was willing to die for a lot less, so I feel like... But why? Because that was all I, I felt in my mind that I was providing. When there was plenty of opportunity, <clears throat> it's just that European media morally corrupted me and things that I was falling to wasn't right. So I feel like nowadays, like, now that I learned to, you know, nudge my head a little bit, you know, I, I know a little bit better. And what I'm trying to say is that, um... Now that I know, I want to provide those opportunities of like housing stability, jobs and stuff like that in advance so people don't have to go through, because people don't get, they make mistakes and they don't get their life back, and especially in our community. So trying to make sure we ensure our people and don't have to go down that and give, give, have space for our elders. Because when you live in the survive all the time, you don't want to hear somebody telling you what's right. That sounds crazy. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. you know, you, when you... when you seem like you can touch it, you can reach it. You're financially poor, you can't even think logical. You know what I'm saying? So You can, if, if you're not stuck in that mentality. If you're like, not... Like, if you realize this is what I'm doing now, but it's not going to stay that way. Right. And you've got to think that way, but you're right. When it's right in front of you, um, you know, and sometimes people will look at me and you, because they look at you now, because you... <laughs> yeah, seriously, they look up to you, because, like, you have a, a brick and mortar. You have a place, you have a space, right? That people mm -hmm. come and, and they fellowship and then they see other people, other races, other people, and everything is like, oh, it's not just for them, it's for us. This is for community. And then you're part of a community. But what do you need from the community to, to keep doing what you're doing? What do you need? I mean... You need people to show up and tutor? My, you need the core values is self-sustainability. Now, we have a bunch of organizations in Boston where they, some of, a lot of them have the finances or some of them do have bigger space and stuff like that. But we need, our core values over here, we need to be, build self-sustainability. And that means like from computer programming, helping the kids with that, down to more volunteers with Feed the Hood, down to do, even donations. Like you don't have to give us money. You could give us some clothes, it's kitchen clothes, kitchenware, stuff like that, because we're giving that out directly every Sunday in our food program. So with that being said, we want to have more self-sustainability on all, on all levels. Where's the food coming from that you're giving out? Because you're giving out a lot. Yeah, well, that's something we probably can't really fully discuss because okay. it's hard, it's hard to, but shout out to the people who do help us get the food. Um, y'all know y'all the unsung um, heroes in this situation and um, I appreciate them, but we are self we're sacrificing a lot to make sure our people are insured in the community. So you need people to come down to tutor. Because I saw one tutor. He's tutoring math, right? Yep, yep. He was, was it high school math or middle school math? Both. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you need people that are, are, are teach, um, as a teacher, I'm telling you, they got teachers so stretched, you're not thinking about doing nothing else. Because when you're, you're in school and then you're doing lesson plans, and then if you're a black teacher, you're dealing with behavioral and disciplinary things, you're dealing with home trauma. I mean, um, you're dealing with the parenting. You're dealing with the politics. And Newton, my sister works in Newton, and they're strike. They're on strike. Mm -hmm. And um, so, shout out to the educators that are that are striking because it's illegal. 
So their, their union is actually being fined, although I think the judge pulled, pulled back on it, um, which is interesting. But, and Newton is a fairly wealthy school system. So shout out in support. Black Teachers Matter is supporting the teachers in Newton. And by the way, I'm news media. Can you like pick up more than just white people on the news? I'm just saying. Because I know there's black people out there. But every time I look mm -hmm. out there, there's only you know certain folks that grab the mic. Right. Just a note. Um, so you need tutor, tutors, you need people to donate things. And do they just come and drop it off? Do they call you? Do they hit you, hit you up on social media? How does that work? 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is the free store at the store. So people are coming in. Money goes straight to the kids or other programs that we do. Don't worry. It'll get utilized. You'll see you know, it I forgot to bring you those games, I promise you. That just means I have to come back down to the store. You've got to come back down. We, we need you to come and teach a curriculum in the class anyway. So. Uh, I got you. <laughs> I got you. And okay. actually, this weekend, mm -hmm. I met um, another teacher who is teaching at Salem State, and she teaches creative writing. Wow. And she's got a couple of books. She's got a book um, coming out in a couple of weeks. Well, which, that's much needed. You know, we're trying to build Wakanda, if that makes a sense. <laughs> trying like, to build Wakanda? Yeah, like, we, we not... I'm trying to buy some land in Wakanda. <laughs> yeah, that part. I hear you. Yeah, right. You know, I, I, I definitely want to buy land and, you know, and show our people for referral. But on a, um, another note, like, in, you know, Innovation Labs, pretty much, like, we, we want to create, you know, graphic design and, you know, all, all the above. Make everything that... Do you have teaches. enough computers and laptops down there? No, we're struggling with that. We need donations for every program that we're doing. Like, we, we, we spend all majority of our money on paying you know, staffing and get, paying, paying the kids as well, getting things done. But right now we're struggling on stuff like that, but it's all right. Because yeah. I'm thinking the stuff that's in my house, right off the top of my head, I think I have two laptops, but they're kind of old, but you may be able to do something with them. And I'll do something with them. I'm turn them in for something else or, or strip them down and do something. <laughs> you know Alex can. I, I, right. So I met that young man. He just seems mm -hmm. like he, his mind just works that way. Right, amazing kids there, it's amazing. Now the kids that come there, how did they initially find out about the programs that were there? Mm -hmm. um, well, initially they came from the Curly Middle School. That's Across what, the street. Right, which wasn't intentional. We just had a, a storefront there at first and then the kids came over, but the kids grew up. We've been there for almost three years, so some of the kids graduated, they still come back. That's why we got a lot of high schoolers there. And the kids directly from middle school come right over still to this day. Some of them even came from, you know, sixth grade and going on. Okay. So we're going to take a break. Hopefully, um, you've been thinking about how you can donate. I mean, especially some of you old school people, you, got, you know, you might want to lighten your load. There might be some stuff in your house that you just want to give away, want to get rid of. I could think of some stuff that I, you know, I've actually been giving it to another organization, but I should be giving it to y'all. That's me. How about you? On another level, stay with us. We'll be right back. It's kind of crazy. You don't hear of things like Walmart closing. Walmart. A shocker tonight for suburban shoppers. Walmart announcing it's closing three stores. The stores to be closed are spread across the area from north to south in Lincolnwood, Plainfield, and Homewood. The Homewood announcement is being met with criticism from customers and the mayor. Elizabeth Matthews is live outside that Homewood Walmart. Elizabeth. 
Yeah, that's right, guys. Shoppers are stunned to learn that their Walmart is set to close in just about a month. This one on South Halstead is normally open until 11 p.m. every single night, but now even their store hours are changing. Tonight's closing at 7. Save money, live better. Just not in Homewood, Plainfield, or Lincolnwood. This is a big hit to the community because, I mean, Walmart have great prices, honestly. So I can't believe a Walmart is closed. But it's happening. This location on South Halstead in Homewood will permanently close next month. The reason, Walmart says, because of poor performance record. It, quote, did not meet Walmart's financial expectations. It's like they're trying to starve the black neighborhood or something. I don't know what's going on because it's always crowded. Every time you come up here, the lot is crowded until they close. I mean, so how are you not making money? Homewood shoppers not buying Walmart's explanation. Is it always busy? It's Talk always to busy. It's always busy here. Usually I'd be like, oh, let me hurry up and try to get in and get out. It's always busy. It's always busy, but they never have nothing. If you wasn't making money, you'd have been closed. Homewood Village officials commenting on social media about the area's financial loss regarding the closure. Quote, the Walmart store has been one of Homewood's largest revenue producing stores for years and services shoppers from various surrounding communities. The mayor says, quote, the village was surprised by this news and will work with the property owner to fill the space as soon as possible. I think it would used to be like a big um, Kmart, Super Kmart was here and they closed that down. So I don't know what we supposed to do now. So what will fill this big void here in Homewood? It's actually way too early to tell, of course, but one chopper we talked to says she's crossing her fingers that an Amazon store comes in. So of the three stores, there's a Lincolnwood store that's kind of a pickup delivery store. That's going to close reportedly February 17th. The other two stores here in Homewood and the one on Route 59 over in Plainfield, those are set to close by March 10th. What happens to all the employees? We are told that they will be eligible to transfer to other stores. In Homewood tonight, Elizabeth Matthews, Fox 32, Chicago. Interested in becoming a radio DJ? Boston Neighborhood Network's 102.9 FM is offering a course of radio production that can get you started. For more information, please head over to bnnmedia.org backslash services backslash workshops. announced that it will close nine of its stores, including the one on 117th Street in Harlem. The stores will shutter for good on October 21st. And as Fox 5's Arthur Chan reports, Target's blaming the closures on ongoing problems with theft and violence. I just come out of there. I got me some eggs, some bananas, some avocados. Anthony uses it for his groceries, and David is here for a birthday present. Uh I just bought a little something for my for my son, who's his birthday today. Countless residents in East Harlem rely on this Target on East 117th Street, but now Target says it's closing this store in a matter of weeks, citing rampant shoplifting that threatens the safety of employees and customers. They come here, they steal, they steal, they steal. And I told her, they're hurting the neighborhood. This woman has worked at this Target location since it opened in 2010. She asked not to be identified, but shared with us her frustration with shoplifters who often come in mobs emptying shelves. They thought they was being smart and everything running in, running out. Just disrespectful to this store. You understand what I'm saying? Just, just, they just disrespected the store to the tires. Now there's not going to be no more Target. Now what they're going to do? 
Now what's going to happen to this neighborhood? Surveillance videos like these routinely show brazen levels of criminal activity. Shoplifting on a large scale has become a national crisis, costing retailers over $112 billion in losses last year, according to a National Retail Federation survey. Target's East Harlem store is one of nine locations. It's closing nationwide, all for the same reason. Other locations include San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. We may see other stores closing locations too, specifically in those big metro areas where, you know, the cost of rent is high. So it's really making a bigger impact on those stores. CVS, the Rite Aids, they're all closing. These guys are shoplifting left and right, and it's horrible. Not only is there a cost to this neighborhood, but this impacts all of the employees who work at this location. Target says they're going to try to absorb everybody into other Target stores. The residents here have some choice advice for shoplifters. Get a job. The lights will go out here permanently on October 21st. At the Target in East River Plaza, Arthur Chien, Fox 5 News. It didn't take long. Within the first hour of being at Walgreens on Geary Boulevard and 17th Avenue in San Francisco, we witnessed multiple shoplifters. One of them even took the time to explain why he simply didn't pay. Off camera, a Walgreens employee told me they're hit anywhere between 15 to 20 times a day. Out of frustration, a week and a half ago, they decided to chain up their freezer section. This is one of the hardest hit areas in their store. Now, when you want something, you have to press this button. A message goes off on the overhead speaker and an employee comes to unlock the freezer. According to the employee we spoke to, company policy says they can't challenge shoplifters, but this customer has. Sometimes I've stopped people myself and uh, it just frustrates me so much to see the neighborhood fall apart and to have to ask somebody to, you know, unlock things. Almost every aisle has products locked behind plastic cases. We asked what the brown marks were. Turns out shoplifters have tried to burn the cases. This vendor saw four shoplifters in the couple of hours he was working at the store today. They just help themselves. It's a common thing. The problem is they're not punished. SFPD's Sergeant Omar was on foot patrol outside the store. It's getting worse, yeah, because more and more people are coming into the west side of the city on the 38 bus line. They're getting off and they're, you know, they're basically stealing out of this store. He did not want his face on camera, but said he detained eight people shoplifting yesterday. People were entering the store and taking products. So outside, if they cross the threshold, they can be put under arrest. The eight people that we I took on yesterday, seven of them returned the items. So basically all eight returned the items with one there was a there was a problem with one of them so did you arrest anybody uh no because the store didn't wish to put a citizen's arrest on they all they wanted to do is get their uh, their product back but walgreens is not the only store that's been victimized by crime here across from it is this cigarette shop they were burglarized a month ago the owner said he lost over a hundred thousand dollars in merchandise and cash well i hope somebody pay attention you know to stop this we can't afford it, you know, like that's a small business. We can't afford it, like $100,000. Somebody came and take here. Nobody do anything about it. You know, that's really hard for us. And two days before that breaking, this coffee shop across the street was also hit. The city, mayor, anybody, they don't do anything. Nobody pay attention. Nobody do anything. 
I don't know why. What we do? We have no choice. I also contacted the National Retail Federation and confirmed that San Francisco and Oakland ranked number two in the list of top areas impacted by organized retail crime nationwide. In the newsroom, Luz Peña, ABC7 News. I want to thank all the news agencies that are covering this because usually, like, this is not a sexy kind of a thing, so they don't cover it. The reason why the last three clips target Walmart, target, or some people say Target, Walmart and Walgreens is because recently there have been people um, protesting in Boston, in the black community, about the Walgreens closing, all in the black community. And um, the elected officials that have actually come and uh, stood with the protesters, kudos to you. Um, and I hope this continues. The problem is that these Walgreens are closing and elders who don't have the transportation, who can't get any further, and people that rely on these stores um, can't get to their medication, can't get their medicine. So it is li literally life and death. And so if you looked at the clips, the clips are actually all across the country. Now what they're blaming is people, the smash and grabs and the thieving. I mean, for any of you that um, are in the Boston area in South Bay, You've seen the stop and shop in South Bay. That whole area really changed based on the activity that was happening in Mass and Cass. It's, it's still happening. And, you know, Mayor Wu is trying to address it. Um, a good friend of mine, Domingos de Rosa, has been addressing this for over eight years. And he developed the South End Roxbury Coalition that actually brought this to light and made it a campaign issue so that the elected officials couldn't ignore it. So big ups, bro. Domingos and, and, and Marla and uh, Yehida, because you guys kept it together and, um, <laughs> and get marginalized and get talked about and get dragged through the me news media when they do notice you because people don't want to give you any credit. And that's unfortunate. And my, my guest tonight, sometimes he gets dragged or ignored because he's doing the grassroots work. When you're doing the grassroots work, say that three times, grassroots work with the people on the ground, on the front lines, you get ignored when it becomes an issue as other people that are responsible, elected officials who can actually do something, want the camera, want the mic. Um, this is an election year. Pay attention to who you are voting for. Tonight, as we speak right now, we're live now, but this will be re-shown again. But Monday, January 29th, as we speak right now, I'm making a choice to be here with you to let you know of what's going on when people are doing stuff. But there's also a meeting happening right now in Hyde Park about the Streets and Squares Initiative, a Squares and Streets Initiative, where people um, are deciding how the different neighborhoods in Boston are going to be shaped around what stores are going to be allowed, the housing that's going to be built, what it's going to look like. And they're working with the zoning, the Boston Planning and Development Authority. It used to be the BRA. And those of us in Boston used to call it the Black Removal Authority, because that's what they did. You know, and that's not the only place or only organization, city organization, a governmental agency that did that. Throughout history, driving highways um, through the black community, through prosperous black community to tear it up, or not allowing certain things to be built, or when they're built to tear them down. A lot of you may not even know that Central Park was a thriving black community, Seneca Village. Mm -hmm. Seneca Village, not, not a park. Mm -hmm. Seneca Village, 
Um, a lot of people have heard about Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma that was burned to the ground over a rumor because people were jealous. And it's still there. Sometimes it's not as blatant, and sometimes some of the people that are helping to um, support those initiatives that are tearing down the black community and black family look like us. But my father said, all skin folk ain't kin folk. You need to check your circle, check who's in the boat with you. If they're not rowing with you and they're drilling holes or they're just going for a ride, they got to get out. It's 2024. It's too late for people just going for a ride and not paying for the ride no. or building the ride or getting the materials for the ride. This brother here, Darrell Slimweather, Slim, nickname, because some of y'all know him a different way, is here with me this evening. And you are, you are looking for the materials for the boat. You're building the boat. you you helping people uh, make destinations from one point to another. And you and I both know that some people, you need to kick them out the boat. <laughs> and then some people got to go. That part. They look like they're one of the rowers, or maybe even a navigator, or maybe they could make some sails. Then you find out they just going for the ride and laying back in the breeze, right? Mm -hmm. Moving forward. Now, you have this event that's coming up. T tell me the name of the event and when it's happening again. Um, the Spoken Word. The Spoken Word. Oh, um, so inspiring. That's coming up on um, uh, February 10th. And we also got a political education um, file co um, complaint on uh, Friday, this Friday. So every, now what is that? Everybody in the city come in and file a complaint. About? So, uh, housing discrimination. Ah. So we about to file on vacancy tax and um, try to tax these bad landlords and stuff, but that's a whole other conversation. No, no, no. This, this is a conversation right mm -hmm. now. Let people know. So mm -hmm. anybody can show up? You, anybody can show up. You have to pre-register? Nope. Is there any cost? Nope. And what time is it? 1, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. Now, there's a, there's a slide that I, Katie, um, my director, if you can bring that up, that's about a job fair that's happening. Um, I think it's mass hire. Mm -hmm. If you can show that, because we, we want to just, we don't want to complain, just complain about stuff and tell people, you know, so they go away from this program. There is hiring day, mm -hmm. uh, January 31st. And so hiring day, um, you can scan it on the television. You can Google it, hiring day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so for those people who've got young people in your house, you've got somebody who's unemployed or underemployed, go get a job. Right. There, was, there was an old school song, I, think, I don't know if it was Smokey Robinson, get a job, da na 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 right? So you can get a job until you can make a job, build a job. I don't think, and I'm a college professor, I don't think we should be just sending our kids to these institutions to be a better educated slave to work for somebody else. Exactly. That being said, not everybody has the capacity to be an entrepreneur hmm. or a visionary or a builder. So there's a space for everybody, right? That's true. But the bottom line, you know, sometimes you may be down, but don't stay down. You know, right. you go down but don't, and lay down, but don't stay down. Don't stay You've got to keep getting up. What you want is this. Well, I mean, not for long. You're going to get trampled on or stepped on or you're just going to deteriorate or... Something's going to happen. Yeah, but you can't quit, never. That's the only thing. So, but some people do. Mm. Some people do. And I, think, I mm. think, you know, real talk, anybody who's out there doing anything, especially whether it's for yourself or for your family or for your community, you do have those moments when you're just like, oh, my God, is this ever going to get any better? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, well, was it back in my day? You know, I used to hear those stories. You know, I had to walk. So many miles of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so you're blaming me because we got a bus? Like, come on, mm. really? I think it's hard. It's difficult for young people now. It's a, different, it's a different level of difficulty. Like we knew, and I'm old enough to remember, 
white only, colored only. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember that. Mm -hmm. And then I also mm -hmm. remember in places in Boston, you know, don't get it twisted, people. It happened up in here. Mississippi has got the same thing going on as Mississippi. And you would walk, go downtown, or even Dudley, which is now Nubian Square. Mm -hmm. There were certain places they wouldn't open the door for you. Or if you wanted to see something that was underneath a counter, you know, you had to look. They wouldn't let, take it out of there so you could see it with your hands or something like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's segregation, racism, like straight up. Now it's a little bit different. If your name says Jamal as opposed to John, then all of a sudden they're not looking at your resume. That part. Even through social media. That part. Mm -hmm. Right? Or, or, and I was reading stuff um, uh, for, for another show that I'm doing, reparations and everything, how systematically uh, black folks were eliminated from accessing wealth or opportunity. Um, and jobs, and better paying jobs is one of them, right? And so, you know, you send in your resume to all these people, so social media, but it screens out mm -hmm. certain names. It screams out, screens out certain mm -hmm. um, Lakeisha, Jamal, or, right. you know, whatever, versus John or right. Emily. Or, and you could be black and your name could be John or Emily, but there's just certain programming. And then there's inherent bias. Some people are biased. They don't realize they're biased because mm -hmm. that's the reality. That's what they know. And so through media, they'll have a certain perception, um, especially if they're not from this country, they're being fed these negative images of mm -hmm. black people and African-Americans. So they're not even realizing that they're acting upon that, but they are and contributing to the problem. Right. So I, I, I'm seeing you like. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I, my name is Darrell Weathers. And, <laughs> you know, my mother and my grandmother, we from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We from you know, that part, Black Wall Street and all that, we coming from there. My mother, we just found our grandmother, my, I just found my grandmother two years ago from that, from that whole incident, you know what I'm saying? And we, if they think Darrell Weathers don't know that, this ain't even my dialect tongue, like as a black, whatever, American, whatever that is, we supposed to be black people. We supposed to dismantle all dictatorship amongst our people. And we, we ain't supposed to be fighting. We supposed to be in, uni in unison, but at the same time, it's like, Come on, you know you. What do you think some of the barriers are between us, as black people? Yes. Um, I don't want to. You know, I'm over here trying to keep it together because there's there's a lot of barriers. But um, I Me feel too. top two. Um, knowledgeability amongst each other and love second, because it, you know, back in um. Today, you know, I don't know, I think it was John Henry Clark who said it. it was like, us black folk will have two differences and they both be right. And we just will fight because this person's right gotta be that right. And the truth is we gotta, we gotta pour more love authentically in our community. Like we are loving people and we need to be knowledgeable about that. Historically, we haven't been killed. We don't do this stuff that we've been doing. And um, even of debate and this stuff, like we could learn and there's gonna be uncomfortable conversations, mm -hmm. but we gotta be here for it. You know? What does liberation look like to you? Because your voice is your director. Voice is liberation. Mm -hmm. What does liberation look like to you? Eliminating suffering amongst mm -hmm. all people. Like just eliminating suffering. Even even these capitalistic, moral, corrupted people. You know what I'm saying? Like eliminate suffering. Like just like just honestly eliminate suffering. That's. What do you think about MCI? This 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 um, information that MCI conquered is about to get shut down. And the, um, the CEOs and everything are like, no, that'd be a bad idea. Even though uh, MCI Concord is operating at 50% capacity because there's been s such a low level of incarceration. You know, and I'm wondering, 
whether or not um, when Rachel Rollins was a DA mm -hmm. and she started arresting people for low-level crimes, mm -hmm. if that's a direct effect. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say so. And I think that um, Free Fuquan, Free the Brothers Behind the Wall over there, Free John P. Gomes, who's a great artist that contributed in House of Creativity, Free the, free the Brothers that's over there and, yeah, dismantle that because that's not rehabilitation if it's run at, you know, it's not rehabilitation and what do you, how are you going to assure the community when, you, when people live in conditions is like that? Now, I have to say that, um, and I'm hoping I get your buy-in really early on, for the third year, I talked to Stacey Borden, she's the Executive Director of New Beginnings Reentry Services Program in Roxbury, who's helping to free women and establish them, give them the skills and the abilities they need to stay out. So big shout out. Big We're shout. doing the community resource again this year in August. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully this year you can be there. I will be there. Um, for this sure. will be year three, Lord willing. Um, the first year we had about 40 organizations. Last year we had almost 80 organizations right in that vacant lot, right in Grove Hall, um, right next to the post office. Mm -hmm. Now that has changed hands. Originally it was this black man, Sheer, that owned it. And it was a dump. It was nasty. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible um, place. And we had to clean it up. Jamal Crawford had been cleaning it up for a while. Mm -hmm. When New Beginnings came there two years, year before last, um, Domingo Rosa and community people, um, shout out to Sheriff Tompkins. Sheriff Tompkins actually had currently incarcerated brothers for like two days helping us clean up that lot. It was so nasty. With the down, with the, with the rubbish, the trash, with the, um, the rats, mm. there were mounds of rats and everything. And then last year, you know, shout out to Aqua Holmes, amazing artist. Um, she's the founder of the Roxbury Sunflower Project. Mm -hmm. She actually got some funding and cleaned up and planted uh, sunflower beds there. Mm -hmm. And then Madison Park Development Corporation has bought the land. And mm -hmm. so they're actually taking care of it. It's going to be developed into, um, you know, affordable housing, quote unquote, whatever <sighs> that, yeah, I mean, but the bottom line is we have to stay vigilant. Okay. We have to stay vigilant. These people that are coming into where we live and they're having these meetings and making these decisions and we're mm -hmm. working two and three jobs just to pay the rent, which is off the chain. I mean, it's still $8 per, it's $8 per net worth per black household or something like that, and right? And 35 years less life expectancy, expectancy if a black family lives in Roxbury. So, so um, we're living in crisis. This is slavery. I think that all the black organizations in Boston need to stop doing the silos. I think that all the politicians who are of color, and um, they need to fight and they need to you know, get up off their knees and stand on their feet because at the end of the day, if it's $8 per black household, that means we're, we're enslaved. That means our clothes is pretty much what we, they, our clothes got more equity than our soul. And the black dollar circulates in our community just several hours. Other communities, it, it circulates for weeks. And so you're paying, you know, you're paying your people, you're building up your community because the dollar is circulating Right. In the black community, it goes out mm -hmm. in less than eight hours. You take 40 hours to earn it, and it's gone out of your community. It's not building up businesses. It's not building up your home. It's not, right? We got a few minutes left. So how do people get in contact with you? Voicesliberation.org. That's our website. Um, you find all of our programs there. We got many more programs that we do. Um, you can find out ways to volunteer. 
Um, we do have some sign-up sheets and stuff and an amazing team. Um, Voice of Liberation on Instagram, Facebook, and um, 484B Center Street, um, Jamaica Plain, 02130 at Scope HQ, the People's Free Store. Scope HQ, the People's Free Store, mm -hmm. across the street from the Curly. Mm -hmm. And you're open when? Um, every day. Um, Saturday and Sunday? Yep, Saturday and Sunday as well. We have events on Saturdays and Friday nights and Sundays we do Feed the Hood. Good Lord. Events, programming, free clothes, appliances, mm -hmm. tutoring, mm -hmm. um, young people. I got to come by. I got to find some time to come by. Can't wait to have and you And really, I mean, I was there that time. I thought I was going to be there for an hour to meet you, and I was there, what, five hours or something? What? And you're so great-minded. The kids was like, when, 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 this had to come back. Really? Yes, yes. You was amazing. They, they, you stumped them out on a couple, even electronic questions and stuff, like, you know, electrical questions. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I got to look in my house, man, because I'm giving, I'm giving it out to other organizations that, because um, you get a tax benefit. Yeah, it's hex right off. I mean, real talk, right? Yeah. But I've got books, and you've got a little library in the corner, too. So mm -hmm. you guys, if you've got books that you can donate, you can show up um, Friday for, you know, if you're a spoken word artist, if you're a graphic artist, if you have extra time, especially if you're an elder and you call yourself retired, if you're a teacher, you're never really retired, not no. the real teachers. <laughs> so we have young people that need help in basic skills. And then also, if you speak another language, Come down and you can, because that's the world we live in, right? Mm -hmm. Creole, Cape Verdean Creole, French Creole, Haitian Creole, um, Spanish, Arabic. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of different languages. There's time. It's an hour, two hours. Um, whatever you can do, we need you. And so thank you for being here with us this evening. Darrell, thank you so much. I'm going to have to have so. you back. Thank you. Maybe we'll wait. bring a camera or something down there so we can, you know, show some people. And thank you so much for being here. Um, I will be in the studio again, but the radio podcast studio with Black Teachers Matter. We're talking about reparations and the African-American TV program during the month of February. Before we get to February, happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Year. God bless. Get it twisted. Black women insisted. Show the world how they resist.